Welcome to Technology Transfer IP. Technology transfer is the process by which valuable research, skills, knowledge, and technology developed by educational institutions is transferred to industry for development and to products and services that will benefit society. From basic patent licensing to promoting startups, entrepreneurship, and industry collaborations, while also investing in and managing technology developments. We bring you conversations with the leaders in technology transfer who will share their stories, including their successes, challenges, and expectations for the future. Here's your host, Lisa Mueller. Hello and welcome. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Allison Markova, Assistant Director of Technology Transfer at the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution, also known as HUI. Allison joined HUI in 2015 and facilitates the commercialization of HUI innovations and extends the reach of HUI technologies within the scientific and greater business communities. Prior to this role at HUI, Allison worked in technology marketing and communications for the HUI OTT marketing and communication roles in both the U.S. and internationally, and is also an internationally published professional photographer. Allison has a B.S. in environmental science and natural resource management from the University of Connecticut. And with that impressive background, welcome to the podcast, Allison. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, thank you, Allison. And I'm really excited to have you here and taking part in the podcast So, Allison, I generally like to start the podcast off by asking my guests about their journey to tech transfer. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up at HUI? Sure. Um, So, I have a bit of an unconventional background for tech transfer. Um, Before beginning my career in tech transfer, I worked primarily in uh, marketing, both content marketing and product marketing. And I also really wanted to work overseas for some time after school. I thought it would be a good time in my life to gain some international work experience. So um, I worked in Eastern Europe for a while um, before deciding to move back to the States and try to find a role that was more closely related to my um, degree, which was in environmental science um, and my interests. So something in the environmental or nonprofit sector. Um, And I found my first role in tech transfer at HUI really because uh, first and foremost, I wanted to work for Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution. Um, Since I mentioned my backgrounds in environmental science, I grew up in New England, so I was familiar with, um, as we call it, HUI, and some of the work they did, and it was just a place that I thought would be really cool to work. Um, They've always been at the forefront of ocean research and exploration. So when I saw this role in licensing and marketing, uh, which was my first role at HUI um, in tech transfer, I thought it was this perfect combination of my interests in the environmental field and my passions, and then also some of my skills that I had gained in marketing. Um, It had that link to science and research, um, and then it would also allow me to use my business and marketing skills that I had gained through my uh, work experiences. So I had no idea even what technology transfer was before finding this opportunity. And I think uh, there are probably quite a few of us, um, quite a few tech transfer professionals that would say the same. Um, I think very few of us plan for a career in tech transfer before finding ourselves in this field. Um, But I think we're the lucky few. Um, And thankfully, I got the job in HUI OTT and I started off in technical marketing 
expanded my role a bit to include communications, uh, learned quite a bit about licensing, and then in 2019 took over management of the department when our previous director retired. So it's been a lot of learning on the job. um, And much of my learning has just been learning about what it is to work in academia and research. Now, Allison, for those of our listeners who may not be familiar with Hui, um, can you tell us a little bit more about it and the types of research that takes place there? I mean, you've alluded to it a little bit, but but I think it's pretty broad, if I understand it correctly. It is. Um, so with Holoceanographic Institution, or, or like I said, we call it Hui, um, it's the world's leading independent organization that's dedicated specifically to to ocean exploration, research, and education. Um, So we have just under a thousand employees, um, and that includes more than 500 scientists, engineers, ships, ships, crew, and technicians. So primarily the population at Hui that we work with in OTT. Um, we don't really have students, or at least not in the same way a large university has students. We do have a joint program with MIT. So there are some Hui MIT students. Um, and we really, like you said, operate in a wide range of research areas, anything that could relate to the ocean. We have six different research departments, um, everything from physical oceanography to chemistry and biology, um, and more than 40 centers and labs. Um, and we also have hundreds of projects around the globe um, that are tackling what I think are some of the most challenging and important problems of our time, everything from climate change to plastic waste to sustainable food and energy production. Um, so like I said, it's a really cool place to work. Yeah, it must be incredibly neat to work there. And and the people that come through there must be pretty amazing. And um, it sounds like obviously there are a lot of people there. Um, you mentioned about a thousand researchers. Um, and you also mentioned that um, WUI's independent. So I was wondering, you, could you tell us a little bit about how research there is funded? Sure. Um, So HUI Research, it's funded through a combination of government grants and contracts, um, also foundation and private donations, um, as well as industry contracts. So um, I think HUI ranks something like fifth among academic institutions in Massachusetts for capturing federal research dollars. um, And the top four uh, would be the major universities like Harvard and and MIT. Um, and nationally, Hui researchers win one in every three dollars of NSF funding for ocean research. So they're really leaders in the field. Um, and one of the challenges we face in tech transfer and kind of the way that Hui is funded is that um, you know our scientists and engineers are really short on time when it comes to speaking with us. So that's been an interesting challenge for our department in trying to make those interactions as productive as possible for scientific and engineering staff and worth their their time and their efforts. How do you go about um, making those interactions and having those communications? We try to take the burden off of the scientist or engineer. So um, up until this year, we we really didn't even have a formal disclosure form or process. It was give us a call or 
send us an email and we'll come down to your office. Um, so we try to do most of the work for them, not because, of course, they're not capable of the work, but because we want to save them as much time as possible and make it easy to work with our department. So um, that's just something that we try to work into all of our processes is how can we make this easier for them? How can we make this less of a, a burden or, um, you know, less time consuming for them? Um, and so we we work that into everything from disclosure all the way through outreach to companies. Well, and I think that's a good segue, Allison, for me to ask you a little bit um, about um, tech transfer there at Hui and um, including how many people you have on your team. Yeah, so we are a small but mighty team at, at Hui. We currently have three people in our department. Um, so I serve as assistant director. We also have a market research associate and we have a patent agent. Um, and I can't rave enough about our team. They're really passionate about what they do. And I think that they go above and beyond, particularly for a small department and trying to deliver exceptional service and then also constantly thinking creatively about how we can change and improve things in tech transfer at Hui. Um, we work very closely with and report directly to Hui's general counsel's office. Um, our VP for business and legal affairs and general counsel, Chris Land, and then our deputy general counsel and director for regional initiatives, Emily Lockhart. Um, and I know tech transfer reporting to legal can sometimes be controversial, but um, I think we got really lucky in that they've really recognized the value that tech transfer does and could bring to the institution. And so they've been very supportive of our growth and really hands-on in making some of the creative changes to the program happen. Um, we're also actually hiring right now for a licensing associate to join the team. So if you're listening to this and you're interested, please send me a note. Um, and so primarily as a, a three-person department, we all, of course, have our own roles and responsibilities, but we all wear many hats and we all have some involvement at each stage of the, de the technology development and licensing process. And we work very collaboratively. Wow, that's really interesting because it seems to me that your office is set up um, a little bit differently than your kind of traditional tech transfer offices. So I'm curious, could you tell us a little bit more about why you chose those specific roles? Yeah, our our small size, I think, has really forced us to think about how we move technologies out of the institution and really through the department from disclosure all the way through licensing. And I think all tech transfer offices face this challenge, but the smaller the team and the smaller the budget, the more of a challenge it can be. Um, so we have to be, I think for lack of a better term, a little more ruthless in our decisions on what we decide to pursue and what we decide to protect um, and to make sure that we're making good decisions, informed decisions, um, and also utilizing our IP funds in the best way possible. We needed to make sure that we're evaluating tech appropriately at all stages. So we have a role within the department dedicated specifically to market research and communications. And I know that comms and marketing have sometimes been viewed as almost a luxury to have these roles in-house in tech transfer. But for us, it was really essential. Um, we created this unique role of market research associate because we needed someone that could dig into the market for these technologies throughout that innovations life cycle, um, help to inform our IP decisions and strategy, and then also our outreach strategy. Um, since I mentioned we don't have students in the traditional sense, um, 
or maybe it's more appropriate to say we have a much smaller number of students, we really need to focus on communications as well, both internally and externally. So we need to make sure we're reaching out to inventors that may have protectable or commercializable tech and soliciting disclosures. We need to make sure that inventors understand our process and how to get involved. Um, so to give you some numbers around that, um, the amount of internal outreach uh, that we do so far in 2022, so in about two and a half months, um, we've already had over 150 interactions with inventors and potential inventors. And out of those interactions, we've met with over 42 unique individuals. Um, and that's just in Hui's scientific and engineering staff, so not including any industry engagement. And of course, not all of those result in disclosures. Um, we see somewhere between 30 and 50 disclosures a year. Um, sometimes these are just conversations to discuss general tech transfer questions um, or projects with industry or licensing or IP questions. But as a service-focused department, this part of what we do is extremely important. Um, and then externally, we do quite a bit of outreach around technologies. We try to put very little of that, as I said, on the inventor. So that can include finding and communicating with companies, creating marketing materials that are specific to that industry or company's needs and wants, um, making sure that we're targeting our communications appropriately based on our audience. Um, and we even on occasion write our own press releases and industry feature articles. Um, so having those market research, marketing and, and communications capabilities are really essential. Um, and then we also have an in-house patent agent. So she serves as really our IP manager. And by filing most of our cases in-house, we're able to save significantly on patent costs. And it also gives us a point of contact within the department for inventors to follow up on filings. Um, it's someone that they get to know personally and I think can be a more comfortable contact rather than having to speak with outside counsel in all cases. Um, and then, uh, you know, finally, as I mentioned, we're, we're looking to build our outreach and industry relationship building and business development capabilities. So we think that bringing on a licensing associate now that we have this department infrastructure and these processes in place will be really beneficial for uh, OTT at Hui. Yeah, and that's um, a tremendous number of engagements that you guys have had in a little less than three months of the year. So I can definitely see why you're, you uh, alluded to and said that your team uh, was small, but uh, might have been small, <laughs> but it certainly was mighty because that that's a lot of engagement in, in a short amount of time. Yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty amazing. <laughs> I hope that no one steals them after listening. Yeah, to exactly. This. <laughs> yeah, they, it sounds like you guys are. Um, you work very well together, and obviously are getting a lot done. So, Allison, can you tell us a little bit about how you and your team support startups coming out of Hui, or perhaps some of the programs you've put in place to help support innovators? So I think uh, a big change that's come about in the last couple of years under um, Hui's uh, new president and director, Peter Domenicall's uh, leadership, is that Hui's really made a commitment to accelerating innovation. And as part of that, trying to better support startups. So we've been trying to put in place programs and infrastructure that really make it more realistic for inventors to start companies. And I think that's something that will evolve over time as we learn more about what works and what doesn't and the needs of the Hui community. Um, so as really a start to that, we've done what many other offices have done in putting an express startup license in place where we're trying to provide some friendly terms and a faster path 
to license as well as some complementary services that go along with this route. Um, we've also tried to increase our internal educational opportunities around IP, uh, commercialization pathways, um, and then just generally making OTT staff more accessible and available. So we host regular office hours, um, which is just dedicated time for any innovator with any questions uh, to come and meet with us. And we hold these virtually to hopefully make them as accessible as possible. Um, and of course, we're available outside of office hours, but um, I think advertising that dedicated time has allowed us to interact with some new inventors that maybe didn't feel comfortable with reaching out for a one-on-one -on -one meeting. Um, we meet with all new staff in scientific or engineering roles to introduce them to the department and some aspects of the tech transfer process um, to try and leave them with some key takeaways so that as they work on something that's potentially patentable or commercializable, they're thinking, oh, I should really reach out to OTT. Um, and we also just try to make through those meetings the whole process a little less intimidating. Um, we've created institution-wide courses. So last year it was an institution-wide IP course that was available virtually. Um, we've created quite a few new graphics and education materials um, that can be accessed through our internal inventors portal. For those that are new to the process and, and want to learn more before meeting with us. Um, and then something else unique that we're rolling out this year is an inventor incentive program. Um, and this will give inventors a place to charge their time for meeting with OTT. And that goes back to some of the, the funding challenges at Huey and making uh, working with OTT more accessible and realistic for inventors. Um, and then some of the other programs we have in place to su support tech development and then also startups is we have internal proof of concept funding that comes from a portion of our royalty stream. Um, and we have a lot of ideas on programs and events in this space that could be a valuable resource. So I expect we'll create more on on more of these this year and, and also hopefully partner with some of the organizations working in innovation entrepreneurship in the region um, and bring additional resources in for Huey inventors where maybe we can't um, supply them internally. Um, and then finally, I think we've also realized that the Cape is a difficult place to launch a company. Uh, we're based in Woods Hole on Cape Cod um, and any university located outside of a big city can probably relate to this. Um, so many Huey innovators could benefit from the existing ecosystem that Boston or Cambridge provide. Um, so as of this year, we have some space available at Cambridge Innovation Center for Huey inventors or startups um, that are interested in utilizing that environment and the connections there. Um, and this is something that I'd credit, uh, again, to our general counsel's office, Chris Land and Emily Lockhart, for championing that initiative to, to build that bridge to Boston. Very neat. And Given all that you do, I would imagine, um, Allison, that you and your team um, have some challenges. So I was curious if you could tell us what you think your two biggest challenges are. Yeah, it's a tough question to only pick two. Um, but if we're talking more day-to-day -day challenges uh, in commercializing tech, I'd say the two issues that come to mind first are our small size, so lack of personnel and resources to be uh, truly are most effective and and also the lack of startup teams or teams to advance tech. So without a large student population, some of the best ideas simply aren't advanced because there isn't time or personnel to work on them. Um, but in terms of big picture challenges, I think 
tech transfer, particularly in a small office, can be both really exciting and also really overwhelming. Um, there's so much possibility and our program is really going through a growth spurt right now and getting some renewed focus and, and interest and attention. The blue economy is a hot topic right now. And as this leader in the ocean space, I think more and more are looking to us and expecting to see some businesses launched. Um, but like I said, it can be really uh, easy to get overwhelmed by the amount of space between what exists and what could be. Um, so we always want to make sure that we're use a useful and valuable resource to Hui inventors first and foremost. Uh, we want to make sure that we're growing the program while also making sure that we continue to offer excellent customer services. So uh, a very real challenge as a small department is finding that balance between growth and not biting off more than we can chew or not taking on uh, more than what we can really do well. And then uh, this is probably more than two because I told you I can't limit it to two. Um, but one other challenge is uh, how do we take this really unique atmosphere that is hooey with some obstacles like fewer students and constraints on time and resources and also some pretty incredible and specific expertise and grow an entrepreneurial ecosystem and do so in a way that um, still puts the research first and the mission of our institution first. And I truly believe the work we do in tech transfer is essential to that mission, moving technology out of the lab for broader impact. But just that unique environment at hooey is a challenge on its own. So, Allison, I wanted to switch gears and ask you about diversity, equity, and inclusion, because this is an important topic that's being discussed in tech transfer offices all around the world. Can you tell us a little bit about what programs you have there to help encourage and assist women and other traditionally underrepresented inventors and entrepreneurs? Yeah, I think this is a really important topic, and I'm really glad that it's something you bring up in this podcast a lot. Um, although, of course, I wish... It didn't have to be discussed as much as it is. I wish the numbers showed more progress than they do. Hui's made some progress in this space over the last year. They brought on um, our first chief equity, diversity, and inclusion officer for the institution. And I know they're working on things like hiring initiatives, um, among, I am sure, many other things. And I won't go too much into detail there because I don't think I could do those initiatives justice since I'm not directly involved in them at the institutional level. Um, but something I can speak to is what we're doing in tech transfer. And the conversation around EDI within autumn and the recent reports on, like you said, engaging more women inventors specifically have been really useful for us in providing data and suggestions. Um, I think it can be kind of disheartening to hear some of the numbers, um, the USPTO numbers, things like the women inventor rate being something like 13% and only 21.8% of patents have at least one women inventor. Those Hearing those numbers can be a little disheartening, but um, I like that now there are recommendations on how we can address some of these things within our own departments. And I think that's due in large part to a lot of the really incredible work that's been done within Autumn, within some of these special interest groups. Um, I think if TTOs are leading the effort in IP protection and licensing for institutions, and in many cases also educational efforts internally around innovation entrepreneurship, we should really be held accountable for making sure that the programs we put in place promote EDI. Um, so right now as a, a small department, we're looking at 
the training and information that we provide to the community and trying to make sure that these resources are accessible to as many people as possible. So things like the IP course and new employee presentations and department presentations, making these available um, to those working remote or outside of business hours, making sure as well that there is a that um, uh, there's diversity in those providing the trainings, um, making sure that our messaging and terminology is as inclusive as possible. Um, and then when it comes to mentoring programs, it's always really been a challenge for us to attract a diverse group of mentors. Um, but it, it's so important. I think that inventors and founders can relate to and see themselves in their mentors. And so as we continue to build our mentorship program, it's going to be a focus to make sure that we have a diverse range of business experts for, for inventors to learn from and connect with. And um, this is something that I would also welcome feedback and suggestions on because, you know, we're really in the early stages of building this program. And like I said, it has been a challenge. Um, so we do we do want to make sure that that is a diverse group. Um, and then going forward, I think it'll be really important for us to understand our own numbers um, so that we can identify opportunities for improvement. So making sure that we're tracking data appropriately to identify, you know, where there may be gaps in our services um, and the communities that we're, we're working with. Um, and then related to this in regards to EDI within the department or within the field of tech transfer, I think that these remote and hybrid work arrangements go a long way to promote diversity in this industry. Um, and I say that because I think removing location as a factor in jobs open, opens up roles to people from diverse socioeconomic backgrounds. It allows people like working moms, for example, to have more opportunities for career advancement um, with work arrangements and times that are more flexible. So I'm really excited to see now that it seems like many uh, tech transfer offices are at least remote to see how this affects EDI in this industry. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's going to be very interesting to see how um, that evolves and continues to evolve because I, I do know um, some people who have moved, changed uh, offices recently who are living in one state but work for a tech transfer office in a different state. And and that might be the future um, instead of having to uproot your entire family. And, and I think you're absolutely right. That opens up possibilities for more diverse individuals to work for various offices, regardless of where they're located. Yeah, we we just hired for our first um, fully remote position. Our, our patent agent position within the department is fully remote. She's based in another state. Um, and we saw so many more applicants and applicants from diverse backgrounds than with previous job listings. So I think it does work. Yeah. And I think for you, especially there, like you said, you're out on the Cape and I mean, it's beautiful there, but I could imagine for some people that, you know, they may not want to move to that portion of Massachusetts. So like you said, it opens up a lot more candidates for you. So Allison, you mentioned Autumn um, when talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I wanted to ask you what organizations you and your team are involved in and what value you think they add. Sure. Um, so I, I am involved with Autumn, I've been a member for the past seven or so years. Um, everyone in our department is an Autumn member. Um, and I was encouraged to join by our previous director, David Knack, when I first started in tech transfer. And I was also encouraged to participate in the annual meetings. And 
I was really lucky that I was able to attend those conferences for so many years. And I think it really helped me to grow in this profession and also allowed our office to change and evolve over time as well. You you always come home from that conference each year re-energized and with new ideas. And for me, at least, it's a really nice reset to get excited all over again about the possibilities. Um, I think it's also so important to be able to see and learn from what other universities are doing. We all have so many shared challenges that, that we all face in this industry and Autumn allows you know, the sharing of that knowledge and information in the field. Um, and then also going back to your EDI question, coming into this profession as a young woman, as a young woman, and um, not seeing many people that looked like me in this profession, being a part of an organization that allowed me um, to see others that I could relate to, I think was really important early career for me. Um, it's a really wonderful community. Um, so I think there are just, there are so many benefits to being a member of Autumn. So Allison, I generally like to close the podcast by asking my guests, if you could have any three wishes granted or a vision realized for your office, what would that be? <laughs> sure. Um, again, only three. <laughs> uh, so I, I think I'd first say what maybe everyone says, which is resources and personnel, because I think we could do some really great things. Like like I said, I, I think there's so much opportunity at Hui. So of course, a larger office would be beneficial. But aside from that, I, I think the two most important and really gratifying parts of our job in tech transfer are seeing technology have impact and seeing enthusiasm from inventors or being able to help inventors down this path. So I would be happy uh, just in seeing the number of technologies getting out into the world increase and growing the number of inventors at Hui that really feel like they benefit from the program. So those would be my two biggest wishes. Well, those are great wishes and good luck to you and your team and getting those realized. I have no doubt, given how hard you guys are working, that that you will definitely get there. So best of luck. So, Allison, I can't thank you enough for all your insights and your time today. This has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, if any of our listeners want to reach out and ask you any questions, where can they reach you? Yeah, thanks again for having me, Lisa. This was wonderful. Um, they can reach me at amarkova at hui.edu. So A-M-A-R-K-O-V-A at W-H-O-I.edu. Well, thank you so much again, Allison. It's been an absolute pleasure having this opportunity to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Technology Transfer IP. Please visit us online for more resources at techtransferipforum.com. New to Tech Transfer or a seasoned pro? Autumn is the global member organization for Tech Transfer and is here to help you get connected, get smart, and get ahead. Whether you work in academia, research, government, business development, corporate engagement, or startups, Autumn is dedicated to supporting you through education, advocacy, networking, and promotion. Join and you'll receive 20 free live webinars, as well as meaningful discounts on meetings and courses, insider access to a vast network of colleagues to help you through challenges, and a line on new technologies and the university decision makers who license them. Membership is open for 2023. Join us.